0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: The human mind, body, emotions and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel What a concept, and one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon.
2: Welcome to The Self-Improvement Show. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. If you haven't already done it, go to the self-improvement blog, read the bio, see the picture, watch the video of today's guests. And if you have a moment after the show, go to the article Um, that's right at the top, Who Filched the Flower? Um, You'll see that I have quoted them there. You'll understand some of the, the work they're doing and how badly I need what they've been doing. The first question I ask, and those of you who listen to the show frequently know this, the first question I ask every guest on the Self-Improvement Show is tell us about yourself. Who is the guest? name? Who is John Doe? Who is Mary Smith? If I asked you who are listening to define who you are, what would you say? You know, would you define yourself by your occupation, by your spouse, your children, by your hobbies? Uh, how would you answer the question, Who are you? Let me ask you this. And this is right from our guests today. Are you ready for a radical shift in perception? One that may challenge and profoundly alter your idea of who you are and what your purpose is on this planet. This is the question asked by Ron and Mary Holnick who state, We all suffer from greater or lesser degrees of spiritual amnesia. We're going to talk about spiritual amnesia today and about who we really are, and we have the Holnicks with us to explore the subject. Doctors Ron and Mary Holnick are pioneers and worldwide leaders in the field of spiritual psychology, as well as teachers and facilitators of awakening in consciousness. They are renowned educators, authors, and the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica, where they've designed, developed, and facilitated educational programs for the past 35 years. They've done an amazing work there. Both are licensed marriage and family therapists, and Mary is a licensed clinical psychologist. They are also the authors of Loyalty to Your Soul, the Heart of Spiritual Psychology, which was published by Hay House and the recently published Remembering the Light Within, A Course in Soul-Centered Living. And it is my absolute delight to welcome to the Self-Improvement Show Ron and Mary Hulnick. Welcome.
3: Well, thank you. It's, it's, uh, It's an honor to be here.
4: Yes, it's wonderful, Irene. Thank you.
2: Oh, I'm so delighted. I've had, I think, a couple of people who've graduated from your college uh, your university on the show in the past. And, and so this is just really, truly and exactly a double pleasure to have both of you on today. And I can't wait to ask you the question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with you, Mary. Well, Who I am are the, you? Who is Mary Holnick?
4: I am the presence of love. I am a divine being having and using my human experience to awaken I have many roles, but those are just roles that my ego takes on.
2: But my essential nature is love. Oh, yes. Ron, it's your turn. Who is Ron Holnick?
3: Well, you know, Ron Holnick is a very inquisitive person. And he always knew that there had to be something more going on to life than what we were given as the goals and so that started my inquiry in this area and what I found was that the question who am I really faded into the background and the question that came forward is what am I and mm-hmm. the answer to that question is as Mary indicated I am a divine being who is using a human experience for the purpose of growing spiritually into a greater awareness of my essential nature
2: i have to tell you i've waited over six years asking that question every week to get such an answer my heart is singing (laughs) you founded the university of santa monica to teach spiritual psychology What? Well, uh, we're going to talk about all of that. But what led you to found a university? That's not a little job.
3: Well, actually, we didn't found it. Uh, It was founded by a man by the name of John Roger, who was a spiritual teacher. Okay. back Back in 1976, and we met him in 1978, and we were having a meeting with him, and it was very clear that we were seeing many things. In exactly the same way and uh, as we went on in our in our relationship with him the idea of us coming in and breathing life being the the founding faculty uh, as you as you might say of this university came forward so really it was his offer to step in and fulfill that position that gave us the opening to do that and you're quite right It's not the kind of thing you do every day.
2: No, it's not an easy task. Tell us what spiritual psychology is and a little bit about what you teach there.
3: Well, really, spiritual psychology is a set of principles and practices um, and a particular orientation into a different way of seeing in life that for people who are interested in this and who are ready to embrace this kind of a, of a teaching, um, you know, it just changes their lives. I don't know what more to say. We have, uh, over the past 35 years, we have over 5,500 graduates that I'm sure would tell you that it has simply changed their lives.
2: And I think universities do change lives, but sometimes not always for the better.
3: Well, the challenge that's going on in education and most universities, insofar as what we're doing is concerned, is that teaching um, tends to be uh, very didactic. It's lectures, you listen to information, and... You parrot back what you heard on tests, and that is supposedly determining the degree to which you have mastered that information. But if you think about it, in that kind of a format, all you ever do is learn about something, and you become very knowledgeable in learning about something. But if you really want to learn something, you must enter into experiences having to do with that thing. I mean, when I went for my pilot's license or anyone going for a driving license, you don't just read the manual and go out and drive. You have, to, you have to get experience driving the car or piloting the plane. And this is why what we do is mostly experiential education. We share certain principles, and we have processes that go along with each principle, and we say, all right, everybody... Let's try this. Let's experience it. And then you share with us and with everybody else what you got from it. And therefore, you don't really have to believe anything. You don't have to subscribe to anything. You All you have to do is have an open mind and a willingness to try out some of these things and see if they work for you.
2: That That's an interesting concept. See if they work for you. You're not telling them what they have to believe or what they have to do or how they have to be. Um, <laughs> other colleges could learn a lot from that. <laughs> and, and what if they don't? I do ha- do you, you don't have much of a dropout rate, I would guess.
4: No, our, our retention rate in the two-year program was approximately 80%, which is well ahead of what oh, most yeah. universities or schools uh, can uh, can retain. And Part of it is because it's a community of like-minded and like-hearted individuals. And the process is one of awakening, of transforming consciousness. And as a byproduct, we have always had a focus of supporting the students and also engaging in their everyday lives in ways such that their lives transform as well and people come alive through this kind of educational process, and it's a very supportive process because the students themselves become a community of love and support, and they not only are there for themselves, but they're there for each other.
2: Ah, how lovely. Let's define a couple other terms because we'll be talking about them, and I want to be sure that... Everybody who's listening is clear on what we're talking about. You talk about an inspired life. What is an inspired life? Well,
4: to me, an inspired life is uh, a life lived with spiritual eyes open. In other words, you've awakened into the spiritual context. You have some degree of awareness that you are a divine being having a human experience and that your life serves spiritual purpose. And part of what happens as people awaken and they resolve and dissolve some of the misunderstandings, misinterpretations of reality, limiting beliefs, they cleanse what we refer to as the lens of their perception they are no longer seeing through ego-referenced eyes. They begin to see through soul-centered eyes, through the eyes of their heart. With the, they see with the eyes of love. And they begin coming alive. They are more uh, connected to the joy, the creativity, the purpose and meaning of their lives. And so they have a greater ability to attune and to receive spirits, guidance, and inspiration. And when people are more alive, more awake to love, their, their demeanor and their way of conducting their lives just shifts in ways that uh, tend to lead to living a more inspired life.
3: But in addition to that, there are different levels of, of inspiration, uh, I mean, for example, very often musicians fall in that category. They always knew that they wanted to uh, be involved with music, and and not only, uh, you know, the studies have shown this. They <laughs> they don't just say I wanted to be a musician. They say I wanted to play the piano, or I wanted to be a guitar player, and they they seem to know that uh, even when they were young, or someone could be. Have always wanted to be a doctor or, or or anything for that matter. It's really it really has to do with following the calling of your heart. So many people we have we we have known over the years uh, say later in life, "Gosh, I wish I only wished I had not listened to the people who were telling me you'll never make any money doing that and stopped me in my tracks." from fulfilling what I really wanted to do. And that's, that is an inspiration, and they may never have any inklings at all having to do with spirit. So it really, I'd say inspired means living your calling, living what's in your heart uh, to do. To me, that would be my way of looking at
4: it.
2: Oh, that's uh, a wonderful way of looking at it. And that brings us right to a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk more with Ron and Mary Holnick. So stay tuned for more.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers?
2: Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guests today are Ron and Mary Hulnick, who've authored the wonderful new book called Remembering the Light Within, A Course in Soul-Centered Living. I want to define a few more terms because I think they're so important to understanding the message of your book and other things that we may talk about in today's show. Uh, You mentioned a couple terms uh, when we were talking in the first segment awakening is one what is awakening how can our listeners understand awakening
3: it starts with the uh, with the realization uh, that we really are living in two worlds simultaneously we are living in this physical world but we're also living in a whole other dimension that is referred to and has been throughout all of history as a spiritual reality. And the two dimensions don't have the same, uh, let's call it, operating system that we're we're working within. In physical world reality, what we're all interested in is having the quality of our lives move from less, uh, let's call it less fulfillment, into the direction of more, fulfillment so we want better relationships we want a better job we want better health we want to earn more money and on and on and on it goes and there's nothing wrong with that uh you know while we're here by all means let's make the best of it but when we enter into the spiritual dimension the whole goal changes and we're no longer the soul is no longer interested not no longer it never was interested in any of those things that we refer to as the goal line of life. What the soul is interested in is learning. It is learning how to be more and more and more awake in the presence of this thing that we call God, whose nature is loving. And so the soul will come in and set up experiences for itself such that it will have the opportunity to grow in this awareness of loving. That process is what we refer to as awakening. In spiritual teachings, historically, it was called uh, in some systems as enlightening. Uh, same thing, same, same basic concept. So it's like uh, we could call it a spiritual maturing. That might be another way to say it. So, of course, this uh, assumes that this isn't the only lifetime that we're here. And we can't, there's no point in getting into a conversation about whether that's true or not, because <laughs> there's no way we can prove it one way or the other. So if someone says there is or someone says there isn't, we say, fine. Uh,
2: you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, fine.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're going to... You're going to have a belief about it one way or the other or no belief at all, and that's fine because what we have found is whether you believe it or not, wouldn't it be worth your while to be able to live in this lifetime and no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're involved in, that you would be able to literally experience it in a more loving way, and I mean significantly more loving way. And most people would say, Yeah, I'd like that.
2: Yeah, I I haven't met anybody who wouldn't say, Yeah, I'd like that. Right. I've heard lately a number of people talk about the moment when they were awakened, the moment when they were enlightened, as if it isn't a continuous process. And maybe you don't, I know, to me, it's a continuous process. There are little awakenings all along the way. Um talk about that. Is that am I off base on that or No, no.
4: We, we would agree with you that, that awakening or growth is a process, not an event. There are reports of individuals, I think Vermada Maharshi was one who had an awakening and became an enlightened master. But for most of us it is a process and as you said, Irene, our experience with ourselves and with the students is that it's, uh, it's kind of a chop wood, carry water process. It just yes. goes on throughout life.
3: Uh, maybe we could share with you one of the ways that we work with that right from the very first weekend in class. The very I'd first, love that. The very first process we do, and this is something all your listeners can do and see, and see how it works for them. And that is we set people up in trios with people that they, have, that they don't know. I mean, they, you know, it's a class that comes from all over. There might be uh, 100 or 200 people in the room. And we give them these instructions. We say, okay, you people, you're going to be the sharers. You people across from them are going to be the listeners. And you people sitting uh, uh, off to the side... You are what we call the neutral observers. So, sharers, you're going to share about anything you want. We suggest it be something that is meaningful to you, so not about the weather, uh, something that has juice for you. And listeners, you're going to be practicing two basic skills, and the first one we call seeing the loving essence, seeing the loving essence,
4: so
3: you're going to assume that what you're looking at is somebody that is a divine being having a human experience. You're going to just uh, purposefully and, and uh, just see them that way. That's, your, that's the, the mindset that you're going to have. Now, while you're seeing them that way, you're going to practice what we call heart-centered listening. So you're not going to be listening so much for the content of what, you're, of what they're sharing. Rather, you're going to be listening to the person in the best way that you know how to do that. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. Just whatever that means for you, you're interested in hearing the person more than what it is that they're sharing. And then we, <clears throat> we proceed to have that conversation and it might go on for 15 minutes and uh, then we, we, uh, we switch and we, everybody rotates to the right and they have uh, a new role and then we do that again and we switch again. So this could go on for an hour. And at the end of it, we ask this question. How many people are aware that what you have experienced in this period of one hour that you've been together is an enhanced level of intimacy that is ex- exists now than it did before you started. Invariably, uh, somewhere higher than 95% of the hands will go up. Usually, it's 100%. And then we say to people, that enhanced level of intimacy that you experience, which we could translate into an enhanced level of loving that you experience inside yourself that is your first experience of awakening
2: oh that's beautiful you said something else and both of you did in your introduction that i want to talk about you define yourself as divine beings talk a little bit about how you can call us divine beings. Some people have a problem with that.
3: People have a problem with that only because they have not been brought up to think that way yeah. or have they been brought up to recognize uh, spiritual experiences when they happen, such as what I just described in class. The educational system doesn't teach us that. Um, so when, <laughs> No, when it doesn't. What we are doing literally is we are re-educating. Uh, by the way, I don't know if your readers are aware of this. The word "educare" comes from Edu- education. The word "education" comes from the Latin word "educare," which means to bring forth from within. So education is designed or supposed to be to bring forth something from within. Now, I defy you to go onto any college campus and take any course and, and see if that's really what's happening
2: in there. <laughs> no, I can tell you in my experience it is not.
3: <laughs> well, most people, most people would agree with you. But that would assume that there's something within that's worth bringing forward. And for us, it's very clear that that which is within is this essence, this divinity that is our very nature, but we are we are not taught how to access that and how to live that way given the educational system that exists by and large in this world today. And so this is why we refer to it as an awakening process. It's and, waking up to a different reality.
4: And the educational process at USM we refer to as soul centered that it's really designed to relate to the students as souls having a human experience who are here for the purpose of awakening, and we assist them in letting go of those things that are the blocks or barriers to that awareness and experience. There's a beautiful quote from Rumi, "Our, Our task is not to seek for love, but rather to seek and find all the barriers that inside that we have built against it and then we add to that quote Irene and to dissolve them and the principles and practices of spiritual psychology are designed not only to support students in the experience of their own essential nature their divinity the God within them, but they are also designed to support them in letting go of the ego patterns, the misunderstandings, the judgments, uh, the hurts that have become crystallized within their consciousness and within their energy field, and to let them go, to let them go.
2: And I want to talk more about that. It's time for us to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Ron and Mary Holnick saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with more.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
6: Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern
5: Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment.
2: Welcome back to the Self Improvement Show. Our guests today are Mary and Ron Holnick, uh, who are co-founders of the University. I'm getting a call. I apologize for that.
3: Co-founding faculty,
2: (laughs) faculty of the University of Santa Monica, uh, and have written a wonderful book called "Remembering the Light Within: A Course in Soul-Centered Living." I, I want you to realize that it's a course in soul-centered living. You can learn so much and and make so much spiritual progress just with this book. I find it just really wonderful. Um, it's, it's a full-course meal for your soul. <laughs> you can get it at... Amazon or anywhere, I'm sure, that, that books are sold. Uh, Mary or Ron, are there other places they can get this book? And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do it?
4: Well, they can reach us by going to the University of Santa edu website, and there's uh, a, a place on the website where there's contact information. Uh, the book is pretty much available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, The Bodhi Tree here in L.A., and um, you know that's part of what's wonderful these days through the Internet is there just really is worldwide distribution.
2: And you can get it in so many ways. I read almost everything these days on my Kindle, but yeah. I'm glad to have yours in a hard copy. Because it's one that, that I, I can keep and pick up and read a little bit and, and get fed. Um, every page has yes. something lovely on it, something worthwhile, something that gives you a little boost along the way, and we all need that. What led you to write this book? Well, this book uh, came out
4: of uh, an interesting process. We had developed an online course called Loyalty to Your Soul, And it was an eight-week program. When people completed, I was talking with our director of online education about uh, what else we could offer those people. And we came up with this idea that we found very joyful and creative. It was a program called 33 Days of Awakening. And the idea was to have some inspirational material and a practice that students, uh, who participated, could do every day for a period of 33 days. And it was very successful. Uh, and um, we've been longtime friends with Ariana Huffington. And we were having dinner with her and her sister, just sharing about the things we'd all been doing. When Ariana became aware of 33 Days of Awakening, she said, I would love to offer that to a segment of our readership. And so we did. And over 20,000 people subscribed to it in 138 countries. It was incredibly successful. And after that, I uh, was inspired to contact Reed Tracy, the president of Hay House, because Hay House had published our first book, Loyalty to Your Soul, And I sent the 33 Days of Awakening to read, and I said, how about we make this into a book? And he wrote back right away, he said, I love this, yes, let's do this book. And so that's how this book came into manifestation. We took that course, we expanded the material, we refined it so that the chapters became longer, more content, And every chapter has at least one practice, something that a reader can do. And we recommend doing it for a period of two weeks. And because there are 26 chapters, then uh, it would take about a year for people to complete the course. And, of course, people can do it however they they do it. We received a communication from a grad just in the past couple of weeks. He said, I have read the whole book. I just love it. Now I'm going back through it and doing it the way you recommended, where I read the chapter and then I do the practice for two weeks. Because he said, I just want that refresher,
2: I want that support in integrating. Fantastic. Who who can most benefit from reading this book?
3: Well, well, everybody in the world can benefit. From reading, I agree. From I could tell you that the people who will most likely read it and be most interested in it are those people who already have a sense that they're, that they're like I was. You know, there's something more going on here that I just, I just, uh, there's got to be more to life than, than you know, than just uh, my nine-to-five job, etc. And they have a sense that, that that's something is something that they experience within themselves. And this is what's what's happening right now, is more people are being born onto the planet at this time that are ready to take that next step. It's part of uh, what we refer to as the evolution of humanity. It's been spoken of in many mystical teachings throughout time. Uh, This is a very, very, very important time we're at the end of a 26,000 year cycle and moving into the next one And the Eastern religions is referred to as a Yuga, if anybody wants to look that up Y-U-G-A so uh, our book is really for those people who are moving into the evolvement of humanity the, the people who fight with it um, not it's not wrong. It's just they're just not ready to take that next step, and that's that's just fine. Who are and we everybody's
2: not ready. Unfortunately, no. everybody's not ready.
3: Well, you know, I don't even know that it's unfortunate. I think we all we all have our own timeline. Well, and true. So it's all going according to somebody's plan.
4: Well, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that... Uh, that I've noticed in terms of students that come to take our programs, many of them are at a crossroads in life. They may have been through a, a challenging kind of experience, and they are looking to heal from that. And many people come initially with the intention that they would like to to somehow accomplish some kind of a transformation that would lead them to experience more joy and purpose and meaning in their lives, and in the process, they begin to awaken, and they realize there's more. We introduce them to the spiritual context, and we don't require that people believe these things. We present everything in our program in terms of this is what we have learned, This is what we have discovered works. Try it out for yourself and see how it works for you. And lo and behold, many of them find out these things are universal spiritual principles and that the practices do in fact
3: work. You know, the irony is that the more that people get into this, the more likely the quality of their life on this level will improve. I'll give you an example. There was a woman who had a son, and they've been ex- estranged for many years, and she was doing a relationship project in the class, and because her son wasn't around, one of the things that she would do, an action step that she would do, is that she would set the table in her home and have dinner with her son, even though he wasn't there. They would have a conversation. This, of course, was all just you know, what was going on within her, and, but she actually did it. We, of course, said, we hope you had the blinds drawn down, uh, but that's a whole other thing. And so she did this. And at the end of the time of the project, she didn't report that there was any particular change in the relationship. Then, several years later, there was a family event going on, and her son was there. And she was talking to her son. And in the course of the conversation she told him about the project that she had done where she had dinner with him every night even though he wasn't there. And he looked at her and he said, why on earth would you do something like that? And she looked at him and she just simply said, it's because I love you so much. Right then and there, their relationship shifted. They became close again. And that uh, project had a happy ending.
2: Oh, that's remarkable. Really? You, you named your book, "Remembering the Light Within." what What is the light within, And how did we forget it?
4: The light within, to me, is our essential loving nature. It's the spark of divinity that exists in each one of us. And as people awaken, they become more aware of their essential loving nature. And they become more aware of this light that resides within them. And, you know, it's very simple to verify that for ourselves from my point of view. Because if you look, uh, if you center your awareness in your heart and you look in someone else's eyes, you will see the light within their eyes, they will see the light within your eyes. That is the radiance of the soul shining through each one of us. And, you know, we we speak of it
3: as um, as we went into a movie theater and we got lost in the show. Yes. So we began to identify with the characters that we're seeing. But if you think about it, in order for a soul to have a learning experience, it must go to a place where it can experience that which it still doesn't know. So, for example, you can't know about the quality of, uh, let's say, light, uh, light meaning you turn on a light in the, in the house, without having some kind of experience of darkness. There has to be a continuum. But really, there's no such thing as darkness. It's a word that describes the relative lack of light. In exactly the same way, uh, you can't really have the awareness of heat unless you can experience cold. There's really no such thing as cold. All we can ever really measure is heat, but it's a linguistic thing, so we we can talk about it. In exactly the same way, in order to learn more about the divine love that we all are, we have to go into a place where there's the opposite of it or there's the gradient of it or the, the relative lack of it so that you can, you can uh, sample the whole entire spectrum and learn from that experience. And so that lack of light has various and sundry names that, that it's, uh, are, is what it's called, but it doesn't matter what it's called it's understanding the concept of the, the nature of why we have to go to a place where we don't know in order to have the experience. There's no point in, uh, in going into a show that you already know the ending, unless, of course, you just like it and you, you, know, and you want to see it over and over and over again. And some people come to learn lessons. Some people come to teach some people come as observers. Some people come uh, for a whole variety of reasons. And that is the difference between the spiritual reality and, uh, and what we call physical world reality. But until you get some experiences in it, it's very difficult to move forward.
2: So how is soul-centered living different from just regular living your day-to-day human life.
3: I'll give you a great example that just happened a couple of weeks ago. So we were in the middle of teaching a class, and one of the assistants, we have assistants uh, you know, in these classes, was going with me over to the local food store to get lunch. And her job is just to be with me and uh, to utilize, and you know, she takes care of uh Everything and just make sure that that I that I that I shop uh, successfully and return again. So here we are. We have the, the with just a couple of things in our cart, and we're standing in line to at the checkout counter. And here comes a man with a with a a basket full of stuff, and he cuts right in front of us. Now, right then and there, we have a choice we could get very angry and upset about that. You know, how dare he? How dare he cut in line? Well, what we did was we looked at each other and we just burst out laughing because we said, that's our choice. Are we going to get upset about this or are we going to just accept it and just deal with the situation as it is? The reality is all it meant was about three more minutes in line. But if you don't have that awareness that there's always a choice, it's very simple uh, to just get into the, the negative reactivity of any situation. And if you really think about that and take that out into the world, that is the basis of war. We're all standing in line and somebody has cut in front of us, according to us, and we don't like it. And so we're gonna we're gonna do something about that. And okay, here we go.
2: That what a great example. And <laughs> there's so many things I'd like to ask you, and and we're going to run out of time before I get to do that. We might have to do this again. Uh, one of the things that we hear a lot about these days is authenticity people say I'm trying to be my authentic self and I sometimes want to say okay what is that you know how do we know what our authentic self is
3: the best way of knowing uh, and this we talk a lot about this because we distinguish between ego reality which is dualistically oriented uh, positive negative At the level of the authentic self, there is no such thing. There is no positive or negative. It's all loving. So a person would know experientially the degree to which they were in their loving essence or their authentic self to the degree to which uh, outside circumstances disturb their inner peace. Anyone saying, I'm upset because, is not saying that. From their authentic self. The authentic self doesn't think that way. The authentic self would say, Oh, this is happening now, uh, another opportunity to share loving. It doesn't know how to do anything other than share loving. Ah. Uh,
2: you say in your book, The mind is a tool to be used in service to the heart. Yeah. Expand on that a little bit. Well,
3: the mind is actually part of the ego structure because it's very clear to see that because it has positive and negative. There are healthy thoughts and there are less than healthy thoughts. And the mind is very, very, very important because it's the vehicle through which the ego can do anything in this world. Emotions flow from our thought process. If we if we believe that we have a great job, we're going to feel good going to work in the morning. And if we feel that if we don't think we have a great job, we're not going to feel so good going to work in the morning. So our behavior and our mind and our emotions are all part of what we see at the level of the ego. The way you can tell very easily. Is there a positive and negative to it? It's only at the authentic self where there is no uh, there is no duality. It's just love.
2: And wouldn't everybody like to be there?
3: Well, it's everybody's destiny. It's just a function of time. Yeah. And this is a good thing to know. Experientially, there is no such thing as time. Nobody ever uh, is experiencing something a week ago, nor are they experiencing it a week from now. The only real time that exists is now. So now is the only time that we can change anything.
2: And nobody wants to be angry in the now. You
0: know, <laughs> <we> do <don't, laughs> Not really. That's not
2: what we want. So no. why, why do we choose that? One of the things I really loved in your book, is the chapter on spiritual crampons? <laughs> I think I, I loved that chapter. Talk a little bit about spiritual crampons. And I had to. Look, I don't. I don't mountain climb, so I had to go look up what crampons are. <laughs> have a really good idea now, but well, talk about
4: that. You know, spiritual crampons really assist us in gaining traction and altitude. Because sometimes the encounters with the ego can be kind of tricky and it can feel like we're on a rather slippery slope. And spiritual crampons, from my point of view, really are the integration of the principles and practices of spiritual psychology so that they are deeply integrated into our consciousness. And when we encounter some of these things that are... Uh, Spirit's testing time, so to speak, that we can maintain our altitude and our intention to ascend.
3: For those of your listeners that don't know what crampons are, they're the things that attach to your shoes that have like spikes going down so that if you're walking on the snow or on ice, they're what grabs in and give you traction. And, and spiritually, that's a, that's a good thing to have.
2: Oh, and, and you do get tested now and then. And, and <laughs> I think the testing comes from some very interesting places. <laughs> do you ever get too old and too awakened to be tested?
4: Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> question. I hope
0: not. <laughs> you know, I
4: think as long as we have a body, that we will have a certain amount of material and a certain amount of opportunity. I think what happens for many people as they gain more experience and they gain more awareness is that they become more masterful. It's like the, the things that happen, there is less likely to be ego reactivity.
3: The other thing that uh, very often happens, and I suspect it's true for you, is that Uh, the more awakened we become, the more service-oriented we become. And so we start to want to do things that have no motive other than to assist others. And this is a very natural progression. And uh, to me, it's why very often when you go into places like a hospital, uh, it's going to be predominantly the elderly people who will be the ones who are there, obviously, uh, you know, to just friends be there to to assist other people find their way, uh, give them directions, get them a cup of coffee uh, it can be it can be that kind of thing. We yes. have we have friends that volunteer at Los Angeles International Airport. If you can if you can oh, believe lovely that,
2: lovely place. Yeah. We're right up at the end of the show. What's the thought you want to leave with our listeners today?
3: The thought that I would leave everybody with is you are a divine being using a human experience. Make the most of it. Focus in on the loving and leave all the rest to people who would prefer to argue and fight.
4: (laughs) And I I would say you are the presence of love. Your path of awakening is the path with heart and that... um, the quality of life that I now enjoy after many years of devotion to working with and implementing, living the principles and practices of spiritual psychology have truly been profoundly transformational for me personally, and it's just a blessing to be able to share them with everyone.
2: Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate all the work that you've done so much.
4: Thank you so much. A pleasure to be with you, Irene.
2: This is Irene Conlon with my guests, Mary and Ron Holnick, saying thank you so much for being with us today and come back next week for more of The Self-Improvement Show.
1: Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerments.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com.